With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Long Talk Radio. You're listening to Pack Stereo on the Internet at Live365.com. Everybody tuning in, getting ready for the live broadcast. Because I guess just arrived. Michael Douglas Carlin, tune in just a second. I can't say no. 
Welcome, welcome to another special edition of Pack Stereo TV Live. Special guest tonight, Michael Douglas Carlin. Welcome, Michael. Hey, it's almost didn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) So, what's going on? Tell us about this latest project of yours. Well, the latest project is filled with tragedy at the same time as you know a conquest of actually finishing it. And many months ago, we had talked about having Russell Poole come here and visit and talk about how he was, uh, you know, changing his mind about what happened to Tupac and Biggie. And he always thought that Suge Knight was behind it. And he'd come to believe that Suge had absolutely nothing to do with it. And he was going to come on this show and he was going to basically tell the viewers that he didn't think Suge had anything to do with it and that he thought... You know, Shug had been given a raw deal, and he felt bad. He was coming here to apologize to Shug. Hmm. Now, all of this first came out in the first project, right? Tupac 187. Yeah, we wrote Tupac 187 together with R.J. Bond, who was the director that directed the assassination documentaries. And, you know, clues kept pouring in, and Tupac 187 was based on a confession letter that, you know, somehow just landed in my lap, out of of all things. Russell and RJ had uh, gone to meet with Chris Blatchford of Fox 11. Uh, They handed him, or he handed them, a 1998 confession letter to the murder of Tupac. And I went as a third voice to go listen to the story behind the letter, and that turned into Tupac 187. Wow. So this is an evolving story now, especially with the death of Russell Poole. Yes. Now that's that's even that is kind of ironic in and of itself that he fell he fell out. I guess from what I'm understanding, he collapsed during a meeting with the. We'll never get the real details of what happened. Many of the details uh, I actually spoke to Sheriff Jim McDonald and to his investigator uh, maybe a week after, and they were reluctant to give me all of the details of that meeting. And since I've learned some things about it, the the death has been ruled natural causes by the L.A. County coroners, which we would expect, And but it's fishy. I mean, let's face it. He goes there for a meeting to talk about sheriff corruption in the shooting of Shook Knight, August the 24th at One Oak, uh, 2014, and he dies in the meeting talking about sheriff corruption. I'm just curious, what what's the accounts of that whole situation? Well, so what happened was there was an off-duty sheriff that evidently let the shooters into the club the night that Shook Knight was shot. They were trying to kill Shook. They walked over to him and they yelled, you killed Tupac, and they shot him six times. Shook happened to turn the right way so that the bullets didn't kill him, and he actually was able to walk out and get to the hospital, and, you know, he survived another uh, attempt on his life. 
And then the same off-duty sheriff that let the shooters in the club was videotaped dropping the shooters off at LAX the next day. And Russell had uncovered this. He confirmed it with the investigator that he was meeting with, that it was indeed true. And then instead of meeting with investigators to reopen the cases of Tupac and Biggie, he ended up being barraged by the investigators that were investigating the Suge Knight shooting, which there's never been anybody charged for, and the same investigators investigated the Tams Burger thing that happened in Compton, which is a huge conflict of interest. Wow. And so if, you know, it points to corruption in the sheriffs and you're meeting the investigators that investigated it and you die in the meeting. So who, so that's, now that's a heavy allegation. Who was at the meeting? So that's what I haven't been able to determine from really? the sheriffs. I asked for the names of everybody that was in the meeting. They stonewalled me. They said that they wouldn't tell me who the names were of who was in the meeting. And, you know, it just makes me suspicious. Uh, it took months for the coroner to release the information to the family about his uh, autopsy. And there were FOIA requests that were done by an Esquire journalist and most of those FOIA requests were denied. And so, you know, I love Sheriff Jim McDonald, and I think he's a great guy. I think he's got a department that has some issues, and he's got a clean house. Were there official accounts? Somebody had to give a report, I guess, of the collapse or something. Yeah, I mean, they, they said he collapsed and he died before he actually hit the floor, and, you know, it was an aorta that evidently, you know, whatever burst in his heart. And I'm, I'm telling you, I talked to him at 9 o'clock in the morning on his way to the meeting. He had a spring in his step. He had new things happening in his life. He had a new job. He was hiking six miles a day. You know, this wasn't somebody that I would have thought was going to have a heart attack that day. Huh. And I was waiting for him to contact me, and, and you know, it, it just kept uh, getting later and later and later until finally I got a text message from one of the one of the people that I that I've been getting clues from, who said Russell just died. It's on the news, and sure enough, it was less than two hours later. There was somebody that was one of the suspects in the murder already on a YouTube video talking about the specific details that were mentioned in that meeting. And how would a suspect in the murder find out about what the what was happening inside that meeting? It's very fishy. Huh. Any repercussions of his death, as far as you know, or did it just seem to be something that just... You know, it came out, it was news for about five minutes, and then, you know, it really didn't even get that big of coverage. Rolling Stone covered it, and New York Post, and a few other places covered it. And then within five minutes, it seemed to be over, and there really hasn't been any follow-up. Uh, a couple articles have come out, but not really much. Wow. Well, tell us a little bit about how that led to this project. Well, Russell and I, right after Tupac 187, we were getting a barrage of clues coming in about new information in the Tupac and Biggie killings. And Russell... Uh, RJ and I had all of Russell's case files. We had a confession letter. Plus, we also had secret recordings that bodyguard Frank Alexander made of all the death row records people when he was having telephone conversations with them in the immediate aftermath of the Tupac killing. So you add all this stuff up, it paints a very clear picture of what happened with Tupac and what happened with Biggie. And that picture was pretty clear in Tupac 187, but it became even more clear. And Russell and I went socially to meet with the, uh, his name's Dave Demersion at the DA's office. And he has a band that he plays in. And we went socially to meet with him, handed him a copy of the book, handed him information. And he wasn't really convinced about reopening the investigation. So Russell and I redoubled our efforts. We got it down to 45 Tupac murder points. We handed that to him. And finally he said, you know, I'm getting interested in reopening this. I'm a year away from retirement. I'd really like to look into these cases. 
but I need an investigator inside of the DA's office, or inside of the inside of law enforcement. I need an investigator, a homicide investigator. So there was a there was a meeting in downtown Los Angeles of Leadership LA where Jim McDonald was coming to speak. And Jim McDonald stopped returning Russell and my text messages and our phone calls to a cell phone because he really just didn't want anything to do with this. It was, you know, politically a kind of a football. So I confronted him at Leadership LA and said, hey, Dave Demersion wants to do this. He needs a homicide investigator. And that's how we set up the meeting for Russell to go to meet with him. And so Russell and I continued to refine all of the information that we had received and tried to boil it down. And one of the things Russell was just anal about was every single fact needed to be footnoted as to where it came from. And so that's the one thing you'll see in Chaos Merchants. And Chaos Merchants, every single fact, you can see exactly where it came from. Did it come from Frank Alexander's secret tapes? Did it come from Russell Poole's case files? Did it come from the confession letter? Did it come from a clue that was given to us with an interview? And there's interviews of Dawes and Snoop and, you know, uh, uh, all of the the usual people that were involved in Death Row Records, including Suge Knight. And so, you know, we literally poured through thousands and thousands of documents, listened to hundreds and hundreds of videos, and lots of audio tapes as well. And Chaos Merchants, I think, gives us the clearest picture of what happened with Tupac and what happened with Biggie of what's known out there. And it's not the paid pundits from the LAPD that have issued the blame it on the dead guys, you know, kind of explanation of what happened so that it steers away from cops. So, so now, so how does this build from the Tupac 187? Well, I mean, or is it different? Is it, is it different, or is it? It is different. Two five one eight seven is like the encyclopedia of everything that was known at the time of, okay. what, of what happened with Tupac and Biggie. Okay. Okay. And Chaos Merchants takes it to a new level and tries to make it a little bit more concise, because Dave Demersion at the DA's office was having problems because there's just so much information in Tupac one eight seven, and. Dave Demersion said, you got to just make it simple for me. And he's really the reason that chaos merchants even happen. In terms of making it simple for him, does he mean point out who he's supposed to prosecute? Well, I think it was more... I'm not sure how to take that. Yeah, yeah, I think it was more about um, what investigators needed to do. Because so far, even to this day, most of the people that should have been interviewed since the confession letter was released, have never been interviewed because law enforcement just doesn't want to go there. And one thing you have to understand is that Tupac was hated by the police. In Atlanta, he shot two off-duty police officers, and it turned out that those off-duty police officers were corrupt. They had guns that were stolen from the evidence locker. They were intoxicated at the time. And so Tupac walked and you had Dan Quayle, who, who basically called out Tupac from the pulpit when he was vice president. And so you had law enforcement and uh, the sitting vice president that created this whole hatred towards Tupac. And he had a big bullseye on him. And then Tupac signs with a one record label that employs all the corrupt off-duty cops. And so... Tupac goes to work for the cop record label. That was a recipe for disaster right there because he was he was hated by the police. Now, the confession letter. Tell everybody a little bit about that and how that time came. So, Chris Blatchford is a very respected Fox 11 journalist. You probably know him. He covered a lot of stories in the inner city, covered stories on the cartels, mm-hmm. He covered stories on the mafia. So this is not somebody who's faint of heart. This is somebody who would go undercover and buy narcotics and cover things like that. And and so he was given a confession letter through one of his confidential informants back in 1998. 
And the confession letter, he reached out to law enforcement. They weren't interested in it. And he basically threw this into a file. And that sat in his file until 2013 when he had a meeting with R.J. Bond and Russell Poole, and he pulled out the confession letter and showed it to them. And it lined up with so many of Russell's case files and what R.J. had been working on with Tupac assassination. And these guys actually flipped out over it. And for some reason, I crossed Russell's path, and he invited me to go meet with Chris Blashford and independently hear the story. And I heard the exact same story and verified it. And we decided that we were going to write a book about the Tupac murder. And it turned into Tupac 187, which was really about Tupac and the Biggie murder, because the two of them are connected. Why wasn't the confession letter the end of everything? It was a confession. Well, so R.J. and uh, R.J. and Russell took the confession letter to the LAPD. And the LAPD, instead of investigating it, they still had not contacted anybody that was involved in this uh, plot to murder Tupac and Suge. They still haven't done any investigation. Up to this day, that hasn't happened. And instead of investigating it, they leaked the confession letter on the Internet. It was always our intention not to release any of the names named in the confession letter until LAPD leaked the confession letter and those names leaked out on the Internet. Because that puts those folks at a certain amount of risk. It puts a lot of people at risk. It puts us at risk. It puts them at risk. And, you know, the suppression of this information, uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to go to prison for murder. So now, how about since the letter, so at least you should, we know who had to have leaked the confession letter. So when R.J., and R.J. was really smart about this, when he handed this letter to LAPD, he put a special border on it that didn't exist on the original. And so when the letter leaked by the LAPD, it leaked with the border. And so we knew it was LAPD that leaked the letter. And twice I went to the L.A. Police Commission to kind of, you know, get them excited about trying to do something on this case. And no interest whatsoever from LAPD. I I spoke at the police commission. And so we thought, well, okay, then let's try the sheriffs. We know Sheriff Jim McDonald, and I I put uh, uh, Russell in touch with Sheriff Jim McDonald. They knew each other back from their LAPD days. They respected each other. And so it just seemed natural that that the L.A. County sheriffs would get involved and investigate this, which... They have absolutely no interest in investigating this. And I think we will know exactly what happened, but it's not going to matter because law enforcement will never do anything about it. The big question always is why? Well, unfortunately, this all leads to former corrupt LAPD cops. They were all working off-duty for Death Row Records, and there were other cops from other agencies that were working for Death Row Records. They would have police scanners whenever they did anything. They would know when the police were called. There was a beating of Mark Anthony Bell. They knew exactly what happened when Mark Anthony Bell was beaten. They knew that there was a call that was made to LAPD because they heard it on their scanners, and they were able to prepare the crime scene so that no prosecution could ever happen. And, you know, that's the unfortunate thing about where we're at with this. And in a climate today when, you know, police are not, you know, I, I think if the Easy e song came out this, this month that came out back in the late 80s, it would resonate again because there's such a sentiment against the police right now. And, you know, it's not necessarily always fair because there's so many cops that are such good cops. Yeah. But, you know... The bad ones give them a, they give the good cops a bad thing. And what really needs to happen is the police need to start policing their own. And they need to start pushing the bad cops out. And they need to follow crimes wherever they lead, even if it leads back to a corrupt cop. And they need to purge that person out of the force. So, so, and so just the fact that they don't pursue it suggests that it could lead back to a corrupt cop. But then again, the question would be why? Why, 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 why kill both of them? 
with you know, there's so many people that are convinced. You know, we went through what the East Coast, West Coast, which I think was all that was the biggest. That was a big marketing thing, and it was a marketing thing to sell records. You know, the diss songs and what have you. And don't get me wrong, there right. there, there was a real aspect of that too. It wasn't it wasn't completely marketing, but it certainly didn't lead to two killings. Well, and and essentially, you Russell and, and you are in a way absolving Suge Knight. Well, no question about it. I mean, Suge Knight, believe me, he's guilty of a lot of things. But he's not guilty of killing Tupac. And he was in jail at the time that Biggie was killed. And he may have had passive involvement, but he did not have any active involvement in the killing of Biggie Smalls. I personally think that Biggie was killed so that the people that were running Death Row Records could come into Suge's good graces and Suge would sign the record label over to him while he was going to prison. And, you know, it was there was a big rivalry between Suge and Puffy Combs. It, it you know, it was oh, bad. Wait, 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 now, wait a minute. That's another oh, yeah. can of worms. And, and you know what? It's the one thing I've never been, had, had anybody able to answer, which maybe your viewers would know. What was it? that Suge and Puffy got into a fight about in Atlanta the night that Jake Robles was killed. What was that big fight about? I still don't know the answer to that. Speculation? Yeah, my speculation is that Suge, okay, he knew he was signing Tupac at the time. He already had Snoop, and he already had, uh, Dre was on the record label at the time, or Dre was actually a partner on the record label. I think he said, I want it all. I want Biggie on the record label. And personally, my speculation would be he want, he sat down with Puffy to say, I want Biggie on the record label. How do we make that happen? And it was a big fight. And, you know, there was an off-duty cop, again, that was doing security. And he came over and said, all right, obviously there's a confrontation here. You guys leave now, and you guys wait 15 minutes. Show sure didn't want to wait 15 minutes. He waited five and when he went out, uh, Jake got shot, and Jake was his best friend. So, so Michael, what do you want to come out of all this? Well, I mean, you know, two people died that, you know, Russell wanted their murder solved. He wanted to see justice done, and he took an oath when he was a homicide investigator that no matter the race, religion, whatever it was, that he would investigate every single homicide because we needed to know exactly what happened and people needed to be brought to justice. And, I mean, it would be great if there was ever somebody arrested for this. That'd be, that would be the preferable thing. But I don't think that's ever going to happen. I just don't think law enforcement cares. I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, it's it's... It's been called a gang thing way too often. And they just say, oh, it's a gang thing. Don't investigate that. And that's the end of it. In today's climate, with all the incidents that have occurred, I guess nothing is outside the realm of comprehension, especially with the things we've been seeing springing up all over the country. Take a look, everyone, at the book for purchase here at Amazon. Michael, well, tell them a little bit about the offering of the Chaos Merchant, Merchants here. And they, and they have the Kindle edition. A lot of you using the Kindle today. That is the way to take a look at it. Yeah. Well, you know, so far we haven't done a, a hard, you know, copy. And it's just really been a Kindle edition. And I think it may just always be a Kindle edition. Because I'm not sure. It's kind of painful. You know, I spent two years talking to Russell, you know, five times a day. And, you know, all of a sudden, you got to pick up that phone because you got a new piece of information. And, you know, he's no longer there for me to talk to. Well, I personally like the Kindle edition. Everybody take a look. In fact, it's amazing. I would tell you that the last 20 publications that I've purchased, I actually ended up buying Kindle editions. Everybody take a look because you can read it on any device. Uh, they have a preview. But you can go on, for those of you who want to, you can go on there and read the preview. I had it pulled up here a minute ago. But you can go on there and read the preview of the book. 
take a look at that table of contents. Let me see if I can get it to come up. Because that was really a nice thing, too. You can go take a look, see the, 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 the table of contents and the chapters and the extensive documentation. You know, Michael Douglas Carter, for those of you who don't know, and I, and I apologize, Michael, we were so, uh, we jumped right in here because we started so late here. But for those of you who don't know, Michael has a history, and it might be worthwhile for many of you to go take a look at that history. We have been pleased to have had him here, as I guess, more than once. And, it's, and beginning again with the, uh, the documentary that we found so impressive American federality about the only American ever to serve as part of the Mexican uh, federalities. It really showed what goes on at the, at the border town, on both sides of the border, corruption. So Michael has a history of getting into topics like this, uh, getting into it uh, for various reasons. Why, Michael? Well, you know what's interesting? Tell us a little bit about why you do the things you do. You know, it's interesting that you bring up Lobo and American Federality because, you know, 15 years ago when I first met Lobo, he told me, he said, you know, the corruption doesn't stop here at the border. And I looked at him and I said, no, of course it does. Of course there's no corruption on our side. And now I've become a big believer that the corruption doesn't stop on this side of the border. And the reality is, and I, and I think it's in our political system. We have lobbyists that are paid. Oh, totally. And so, you know, if that happened in any other country, they'd be hauled off and put into prison. But instead, what we do is we make it legal to pay off lobbyists. To oh, totally. Legalize corruption. You, you just legalized. follow the rules, right? Yeah, just as long follow as the you, rules. As long as you follow the rules, it's, you know, it's the way, it's the way business is done. Here. And Congress, of course, uh, you know, can do insider trading, and they don't, they're not subject to insider trading rules. So when they get a piece of information that we would be arrested if we traded on, they can trade on it. And that's why somebody comes into Congress worth a half a million dollars, and two years later they leave and they're worth $10 million. And, you know, it's just, in America, it's okay to be corrupt. And, you know, it, just do it legally. And I didn't believe it 15 years ago, and I think, you know, it's been depressing for me with Russell's death to realize the extent of what happens in America, the corruption, the uh, agent provocateurs that, you know, roam the streets, and, you know, it's, it's difficult to grasp what's going on. I think... I, I hate to say it, but I think corruption is part of human DNA. Well, there are those who say that the two biggest industries in the world are drugs and military, that they're essentially controlled by the same people. <laughs> well, I mean, <it's> <laughs> and banking. <Yeah. laughs> so throw that in there. So, yeah, there are those things, and you know, you can't do a show like this. With acknowledging, without acknowledging the aspects of conspiracy, because when you deal with things like this, you are essentially dealing with conspiracy, and conspiracy always involves what people feel in their guts, in their hearts, uh, because the truth so often seems to elude us, and we know in the back of our minds that that the folks that have been entrusted with the job of finding out, don't seem to be interested in certain things, and therefore, it also seems to invite more and more conspiracy, just by their lack of interest. And here we go, and with this length of time, like you said, and the fact that things like a conspiracy letter, which I believe, did you have copies of that in one in the first one, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Big, good copy, so people can go take a look. And it's on the internet. It's, it's on, on the, the And with the names published, right, of the yeah. individuals involved, which certainly, like we said, puts a number of people at risk. It invites conspiracy. And so we think that anyone who has any interest, and we know that there are a lot of people who have interest in both of these uh, artists and their lives, go take a look. Here we are taking a look right now on Amazon. And remember, you can go take a preview as I did, take a look at the table of contents, read uh, the foreword, uh, 
read, uh, I think it's the, most of the first, a lot of the first chapter, but there's things that you can go on there and get in preview. And so we invite people today. You know, I'm, I'm sort of agree with you, Michael. I, you know, print, the value of, well, well let, Michael should know. One of the things I forgot to mention about him is that he also is a publisher. <laughs> Publisher, you know, Century City, right? Yeah. Century City. For, for 10 years, I did the Century City News. Right. I sold that newspaper to the Santa Monica Mirror. So you, so you, as a publisher, you know. I, and you yeah. saw the handwriting on the wall, too, I'm sure, of traditional print media. Many people did not. And it has been changing dramatically, becoming more of a niche. But certainly, like I said, the last 20 things that I purchased, I purchased on the Kindle. You know the Kindle version. Yeah. So I think that legitimately that is the way, the way to go. So I invite you all to go take a look. It's up there for you to take a look and see what you think about it and see about the conspiracy. Michael, what do you what do you hope to happen now? Well, I would just say this. I would say nothing would show that Black Lives Matter more than reopening the Tupac and Biggie investigations in an earnest attempt to bring the killers to justice. And I believe that none of the cops that were corrupt that were here in the Rampart era are still with the police force. I don't think there's any reason not to reopen this investigation. There's no statute of limitations on murder. And if it leads to former corrupt cops, so be it. But let's, let's put them in prison. I mean, let's do the right thing here. And nothing would show that Black Lives Matter more than reopening this investigation. And, and, you know, I'd love to see viewers start to put pressure on the LAPD and on the sheriffs to do just that, because that's what needs to happen. You and know, it, times do change, right? I yeah. mean, it, it, I hate to say it, but sometimes it becomes more convenient to style things, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, 40 years later, you know. Uh, they people stay out there, they float around. You know, uh, there's so many white bulger, right? You know, yeah. they float around <laughs> for years and years, and one day it is now convenient. Yes, unfortunately, to investigate and know now. Now, time a lot of the people are gone. It won't be such a painful pill to swallow because this. And I can only think of one other case that may, you know. Uh, have a bigger impact being the OJ the OJ case, right? I mean, be, besides these cases, which continue to be ongoing indictments of <laughs> of law enforcement here in Los Angeles on a lot of levels, with a lot of people wondering <laughs> and a lot of theories. That's why I had to make that comparison because it's interesting now. This now we have a new OJ. <laughs> Paper, whatever, excuse me, new, redone yeah. uh, version of the whole OJ trial in a way, to me, which is made to look good for some people and bad for other people. Yeah. Maybe one day they'll be able to stomach something like this. Absolutely. And I would just say, you know, I was a supporter of Jim McDonald when he was running for sheriff. I wrote an article about him. I interviewed him. I told him all about this Tupac confession letter back before he was the sheriff. And I'm a believer that he is an agent for change. But, you know, sometimes we have to put pressure on the agent for change to do the right thing because it's easier to stare us down than it is to stare down the people that are in the department to bring about the change that needs to happen. And I think it's we have to hold our leaders responsible and accountable for, you know, making the changes we want to see made. And it doesn't involve pressure. Well-meaning administrators often make bad decisions in efforts to please the people above them. That would not be new. I met Charlie Beck a number of times when he came through Century City, you know, talking to the leaders of the community about the police. And I believe Charlie Beck is a good guy, too. And I believe he is somebody else that we just need to put pressure on to do the right thing. And you know, hopefully we can put a little bit of pressure on these guys and have them, you know, they can bring killers to justice. The DA's office wanted to do it. I'm not sure they want to do it now, but why wouldn't they? 
It all depends on who the DA is. Yeah. Well, I think you have Jackie Lacey as the DA right now. I think Jackie Lacey's actually another really good person. And, you know. I have to take Michael's word on it. I'm still thinking back to Suge leasing a house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. No doubt. For those of you who don't know, Suge Knight was leasing while on probation. I don't know if he's in During the time when all the stuff was going, he was leasing a house to a member of the district attorney's office. That's a discount. No, it was actually the other way around. The, the, the house was owned by assistant district attorney Larry Longo. Oh, and Suge was pay, renting it from him. And part of, part of, okay. part of, and this is a little bit misconstrued, because Suge did not lease the house from Larry Longo directly. Suge's attorney, David Kenner, was the one that leased the house. And David Kenner who was one of the ones implicated in the Tupac and Biggie killings. I mean, you know, he was he was Suge's attorney. He had the most to gain from Suge going off to prison. And David Kenner was the one that leased the house. And he's mm. probably the one that dropped the dime on Suge, saying, hey, Suge's living in the ADA's house. Because when Suge's probation was revoked, it was revoked in a way judges abhor because it looked like Suge was the one that was bribing the assistant district attorney. And, oh, yeah. And it really wasn't the case. And so it's one of those misconceptions, and it led to Suge doing a nine-year stint in prison where he could no longer conduct business, and Death Row Records, that was worth a half a billion dollars when Suge went off to prison, was worth, you know, a pittance of that, was worth maybe, you know, a, a small fraction of that when Suge actually got out of prison. And that thing had been raped and pillaged by the by the people that were in charge of running death row records in his steed. Wow. Everybody, Chaos Merchants, the murders of Tupac Shakur, Notorious B.I.G., Kindle edition available for you at Amazon. And again, Michael Carley, go take a look. Michael, where where can they find you? You you you're one of those people, when we say who has multiple projects and various stages of development, always doing something. Um, where do where should we direct them for you? You know, I mean, the easiest thing to do is send me an email, michaeldouglascarlin at gmail dot com. Okay. Um, you know, peaceful protests, peace, a prescription for peace, rise of night. You know, that, that's that's more of my normal beat. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see change happen in the world, and I think we should all be the agents of change. And, you know, all of those books pretty much are, you know, about how to have that change peacefully because we don't want anarchy like exists in border Mexico now. I've seen anarchy. We don't want that here. There but for the grace of God or... For the grace of active people. <laughs> Go on. Everybody, our guest, Michael Douglas Tyler. Go take a look. We showed you. I think you ought to go and take a read. You know, go over there, get, get, go to Amazon, take a look at that Kindle edition, get the good read. I always advocate that you read the table of contents anyway. Always the first to choose. And get, a, get your inside look about this. Continuing story, like we said. I said to me, this besides the O.J. Simpson trial, the biggest stain probably on the LAPD ever. So this is one of the two or three biggest stains on the LAPD, on the LAPD here in Los Angeles. In fact, on law enforcement in general in Los Angeles. We want to thank you again, Michael Douglas Tyson. You know, I, I have so many questions, and we can spend here a couple hours, and I don't want to do that, but... I've got no place to be. Yeah, I understand, but, you know, I've always said, why do you think no one's grabbing as we exit out of this? Grabbing the story for the obvious reasons, and and they're just a thing that, hey, it's in the past and needs time, and it doesn't have this... The, the story that can go to film yet, and if it did, would it be a better step story going to film that's an East Coast, West Coast rivalry than corrupt LAPD? 
Well, I mean, it, that all depends on, you know, what kind of films you like. You know, if we're talking about music, obviously the East Coast, West Coast, because you got Biggie and you got Tupac, and that's a great soundtrack, you know, mixing those two. Right. But if you're talking about, you know, a crime drama, I mean, th this is an incredible crime drama. Right. Because think about what, what you have. You have Tupac, who is hated by the police, who goes to a label, a record label, that has nothing but off-duty cops everywhere. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. Right. And this wasn't going to end well, no matter how it happened. But the way it did happen was tragic. Okay. I mean, gotcha. and ultimately, unfortunately, too, Michael, I always wonder whether or not, because it involved Tupac and Suge, excuse me, Tupac and, and, and Biggie, and the other folks that were involved, Suge Knight, whether or not the black community in general was going to attempt to ignore this story like bad laundry that they didn't want aired. I mean, there's a certain group within the black community that's not going to really want to discuss Biggie Smalls or Tupac Shakur in any kind of way. Well, and one of those people was Police Chief Bernard Parks. <laughs> he was the one that was... Yeah. Russell was in a big battle with Bernard Parks when he was at LAPD because Russell wanted to follow this wherever it led. And when it led to corrupt cops... Russell wanted to bring him to justice. No big deal. And Bernard Parks did everything he could to suppress this, gut the evidence. And the reason Russell walked out with all of his case files was because there was a move that had happened while Russell was at the department to basically purge all of these case files from LAPD. And, you know, uh, when there was the Wallace civil trial, there was a, there was a cop who suppressed evidence from the plaintiffs. And the first trial was ruled a mistrial when Detective Stephen Katz had all of this information that led to corrupt off-duty cops in his desk and wasn't providing it to the plaintiffs in the case. And so they received a tip. The, uh, the plaintiffs received a tip. They went to the judge. The judge stopped the trial. They went right over LAPD to the desk drawer where they were told this information was, and they opened up the desk drawer, and sure enough, there was this information. And that uh, cop is now the captain of homicide at the sheriff's. And he was the one that, one of the ones that was in the loop well, I guess on, the Russell Pool, on the Russell Pool. I, I call it a murder. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know how it happened, but I know Russell was fairly healthy at the time. I know the coroner's report came back that it was ruled natural causes. I just personally don't believe it. And that's my opinion. I have no proof. Yeah. But, you know, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. Yeah. And it It's not like good a form to be accusing the police of conspiracy and then to die during a meeting with him. That, no. that on, on the very surface, would appear to be, you know, a problem. Well, and I, and I know it's not smart for me to even say that. But you know what? At the same time, I said it to Jim McDonald. It's not like I'm saying anything that I haven't said to him personally. And, you know, there's no reason. Hey, if it was natural causes, why don't you just share with me? Whatever was, that is. Who was in the meeting? <laughs> Right. Who's right. in the meeting? Who said he? Who's giving the minute-to-minute -minute account of him falling out? Where the, someone had? You're the police. Someone dies. You take a story. You take a history. That's got to be somewhere. And so, who gave the history? Got to be there. Those are all parts of regular police work when people die. Where's the? You can't video? walk into a hospital and die in 24 hours and not get a coroner. Yeah. See, so. That's the way those things are done. Where's the videotape of the meeting? What was he given? A cup of coffee, a cup of water? Who gave it to him? You know, all that stuff. I'd just like to know. And so far, I haven't received any of that information. Not that they have a responsibility to share it with me, but at least who was in the meeting. And coroners need some direction. If you are suspecting a crime, you're going to do a different type of analysis than if you're not suspecting a crime because you have to look harder for the unique things that may cause someone to have an apparent heart attack, and there could be other things. And why don't they come out and tell us more about this off-duty cop that let the shooters into the nightclub the night Shug Knight was shot, and the off-duty cop, the same off-duty cop, 
that dropped the shooters off at the airport. Russell had verified that it was true. He verified it from two sources, one of which was inside the department. So why don't they come out? It's going to come out at Shook's trial. The, the problem is to, to prove you wrong. They have to open so many doors and unlock so many skeletons that look bad for them in so many places that may not, may or may not even have anything to do. Ultimately, like you said, it may not have anything to do ultimately with what happened, but just following the trail of evidence under so much dirt yeah. that the scandal doesn't it? It's already LAPD. Like you said, Bernard Parsons, everything you did could block the federal investigation. He did. He's, he's known yeah. as a true blue police officer. I, that's where I fell out with him when he was actually standing in the way of the federal investigation of the, of the, of the department. So, Well, the Rampart <laughs> cops that were, you know, uh, Rafael Perez, who yeah, stole the cocaine from the evidence locker, David Mack, who committed the, the robbery at Bank of America, not too far from here, by the way. You know, both of those cops were hand-picked by Bernard Parks. That's it. Conspiracy, conspiracy. Always good to have Michael Douglas Carlin here. Make sure you check out Chaos Merchants. Take a look at Michael and his history, his other publications, his other involvements. Go take a look at American Federale. Uh, we we really think that that's a good watch, too. That's available for you to take a look at online right now. And, and take a look yourself and see what you think about these ongoing controversies involving our own law enforcement here in Los Angeles. Once again, thank you, Michael. Thank you. Appreciate it. Very good. Now we'll be returning to our previously scheduled broadcast. Get some heads. <laughs> We're stirring up some shit here, huh? <laughs> you think that? Yeah. But it's it's time that some. Yeah. It's gonna come out. Yeah. Nobody's gonna be more bold than you. And Shook's trial is about to happen. And Shook's trial. All this stuff. Listen, listen, I think it's so much dirt that what happens is you just. You don't realize. You, you, you open too many. Right. Even though all those unrelated things are related things. Right. Yeah, that's all dirty, dirty, dirty. That's what they are looking at. That's why not. Thank you, Blog Talk. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.